0: What is happening, everyone? Welcome to episode 44 of your favorite podcast, The Grower Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Mahaley, alongside my co-host, Scott Simmons. And today, we're going to talk about how you need a coach that goes as hard as you. Man, for some reason, it's, it's rare. If you're an athlete and you're out working your coach, this goes for me, too. I'm an athlete. I have a coach. If I'm out working my coach, I got a problem. You become what you allow the main impact in your life to be. You know that saying they say, five people you surround yourself with the most, that's who you become in bodybuilding, the coach that has the most influence on you, that's who you become. So inside, we're going to talk about it. We're going to make sure that you're heading the right direction, man. I'm fired up to talk to you about this one. Episode 44, brought to you by Revive Supplements, brought to you by Raw Supplements. I'll see you inside. All right, in uh, Texas right now, not sure what's going on in your state. In my state, we're having our liberties taken from us again. Mm-hmm. Masks are being required everywhere. And businesses are facing fines for you know not enforcing this. This includes the gym. Where, you know, we have seen um, people dying because they are working out in masks.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I mean, like like that's a very serious health can, risk. Can
1: you briefly touch on that? Like why? Yeah. <clears throat> what are the repercussions of yeah. prolonged CO2 consumption?
0: Uh, oh, that's awful. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's essentially like what. Your body breathes out CO2 Mm -hmm. as part of a purification process, if you will. Mm -hmm. too much CO2 is poisonous Mm -hmm. to your body. Mm -hmm. So just like wearing a mask around prolonged, like if you're like running errands, you know, every day or like at work every day, like service, um, service industry folks are definitely um,
1: getting having little
0: effects from this. Yeah,
1: well, absolutely. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Uh, Depending on how much and how often they work. Yeah. Um, but especially like when you're working out and you're breathing so hard and your oxygen consumption needs to be much higher and your oxygen turnover is much higher and we're restricting ourselves from having a like true pathway of oxygen coming in and out. This is one of the most counterproductive things. And, you know. I respect and appreciate everyone's viewpoint, even when viewpoints are wrong. With these masks, we we know they're not doing anything. Masks that are not the N95 masks that nurses and you know doctors and surgeons and you know all those people are fitted for. The uh, molecules that they allow in and out, or, or, or what they block. I'm sorry. The molecule of the coronavirus is much, much, much smaller than what that mask blocks. <laughs> so now we're preventing nothing. Literally nothing.
1: And, and all the masks people are wearing are just typically cloth. Yeah. It's like your shirt cut up.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's disgusting, too. Like, that's so unsanitary. <laughs> Holy
1: shit. Dude, I read a- I, I I really think, like, they just want to prevent herd immunity really bad. I, I read an article, and this makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> From the perspective of having a mask, right, the original thought was it helps you not touch your face. Yeah. But if you also cough, like it doesn't go out. Yeah. Okay. Hypothetically. Yeah. Now, what it doesn't prevent is you touching something or you touching someone or getting it on your hand somehow. (laughs) Taking your mask off and down. Yeah. And eating something or breathing and then... Grabbing it with your hands again and, and putting, putting it, it back, back on your face. Exactly. And now you're just breathing that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, like this whole
0: thing's really fucking dumb. It's yeah. very, very, very dumb. Um, I'm a person who bases beliefs off of facts and logic and the complete fear mongering that is happening right now on a global scale. Like I'm, I wouldn't consider myself much of a conspiracy theorist at all. Mm-hmm. But holy shit, you can't look at the current situation and act like nothing's going on. Mm-hmm. And today, um, Texas's governor essentially blamed people under 30 for the spike in Texas. The people under 30 going to the bars. Going to the bars. Well, you opened the bars. Yep. You held all of us in our fucking homes. Yep. For three months when. Yeah, this is going to be a very selfish thing to state. But if you don't understand what at risk means, we're not at risk. Mm -hmm. We're good. Mm -hmm. Um intelligent people under the age of 30 aren't going and hanging out with their fucking grandparents during in a fucking pandemic. Yeah. When they're around other people.
1: That's what I think most people think. I think yeah. most people think like, Oh, well, if you just think you're asymptomatic, then you yeah. don't have to worry about it. Then you're just going to go fuck everybody else up. Yeah. Well, that's not true. I'm still washing my hands. I'm still hanging around the same exact people I've hung around yeah. for the last six months. Yeah. And I'm not, when we go out and we do go to the grocery store or go anywhere, we're not like, hugging people
0: yeah you know what i mean like yeah there there was um where did that come from there was research done on folks who are who have coronavirus but are asymptomatic mm-hmm. and they're um of course, this is one article of research so this isn't something that we can just like draw in the sand black and white and this is right and everything else is wrong mm-hmm. But the likelihood of them, um, you know, passing that spreading that further is actually much, 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 much lower mm-hmm. than someone who like obviously has the symptoms. Yeah. It would not. I believe it actually said I read about it. It was like two or three weeks ago that came out. I believe it said it's actually more likely that they're not the ones spreading it. Really? Now, this would make sense. Because there's such a spike in testing in nursing homes and jails, as you guys have all heard about. Obviously, nursing homes and jails are a breeding ground for, you know, disease and virus and bacteria and all of that stuff. So, Governor Abbott, the lack of intelligence that you have shown as a human being and as a leader is definitely appalling. Um, Personally, I can't relate to being that unintelligent. Um, when things open up, people under the age of 30 go partake in things because people under the age of 30 are able-bodied commonly, are, you know, at a place where they're enjoying life commonly, are adding to their life experience commonly. Um, you know, Texas has this extremely booming economy, particularly in Alston and Dallas. So, you know, if you're going to point blame at people under the age of 30 for the spike in coronavirus, let's make sure to uh, also give them credit for um, directly. Making the economy in the state that you are the governor of far greater than any other state.
1: Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, hey, What about these these rings the NBA has? Yeah, dude, apparently the think, NBA like yeah. has some rings that can. Well, like like I, I pulled it in, up. I pulled, I pulled it up. Yeah. So it's a. It's made by a company called aura health yeah. uh, or a O U R a health. Yeah. And it, the ring is originally meant to monitor temperature, breathing and heart patterns Yeah. in the body. And it's got like a, it's, so it's a silver ring. It looks like a male wedding ring. Okay. And it's got uh it looks like a little tracker beads on the inside, kind of like the Apple watch. Yeah. And apparently it can detect, potentially detect coronavirus symptoms three days before they show up. Wow. Why don't we have that? I don't know. <laughs> the elite just
0: keep getting more elite. <laughs> <I> guess. <laughs> Got to protect Le- LeBron. <laughs> yeah, dude. <Yeah. laughs> Got to protect the NBA players. Um, But you know what? I, I, I guess, you know, as a logical thinking and speaking and functioning human being and looking around and seeing how much emotional turmoil people are being put into over this situation. Um it's frustrating because oftentimes people don't think enough for themselves, and we've yeah. discussed this a little bit on here before. People are often at mercy of other folks' thoughts and beliefs and the words that they speak uh people inherently um you know you view leadership as a person who's supposed to guide you in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And the leadership during this entire pandemic has been terrible. There hasn't been much logic. There hasn't been much science. There hasn't been much um, anything involved other than extreme fear, mongering, and again, emotional turmoil. So, you know, you come to me and you tell me that, you know, 0.02% of people your age have attributed to the mortality rate of something I'm not worried about it I'm also never around people who aren't my age and you can say what do you
1: you go to the grocery store no I don't <laughs> you actually don't that's funny yeah,
0: no, I'm literally <laughs> not around the only way I'm around people my age is if or not my age is if older people who are at risk who know are knowingly at risk like come to the gym or mm-hmm, something mm-hmm. Is it my, I don't know on this. I'm not sure on this. Is it my responsibility to cease my life as a 27 year old man who's trying to become a better bodybuilder, trying to build a bigger business, who's trying to serve my clients better? Is it my responsibility? To look out for the 70 year old person who knows that they're at risk, who willingly comes to the gym to be around a bunch of 20 and 30 year old people, L- you know,
1: like I struggle with that. Yeah. Let's talk about how, how stupid this even more stupid. This gets. Yeah. Travis County approves potential trespassing charges yeah. for people who don't wear face masks. Let me elaborate a little bit on this. Sen- listen to this sentence. If you don't wear a face mask in Travis County buildings, you could potentially be charged with trespassing with possible jail time (laughs) or even a hefty fine. There are exceptions, though, if you have medical conditions. What? You guys. So I actually have asthma. Yep. You're clear. I have a medical. condition. You're in the clear. Um, I have lack of stupidity. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All (laughs) right. Yeah. That's 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 another medical condition. You guys. I mean. People who listen to this podcast are pretty fucking intelligent folks. You know, we don't. Idiots definitely aren't attracted to a place like this. I mean, you guys are seeing this shit, too, right? <laughs> you guys are seeing like, wow, this is like, like, this is wild.
1: It says 180 days of jail time or a $2,000 fine. <laughs> are you kidding me? Because
0: of something with a 0.02% mortality rate in able-bodied humans. And something that will go
1: through that mask and. Regardless. Yeah, if it's yeah, if it's regardless. coming to you, it's going through that mask. Yeah. Most most of those masks. Yeah. In no, that wild. Uh it's a frustrating time. But um,
0: you know what? Like we're controlling what we can control over here. And you know, we're growing, you know, the businesses how how we're able to. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, have, we're I mean, we're still having good times, so we all just kind of hang out together. Yeah. Um over the weekend, uh, we in a really cool Airbnb on the lake. Um, and ten of us went out there. Um, like, you know, almost everyone is employed by team Haley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Only one person is not Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we all went out there and man, we just had a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful time. Um, it was nice little getaway. It's nice little break. Like, honestly, like we all work really, really, really fucking hard. Um, and so like for two days, like I put in the Facebook group for uh, the clients, like, Hey, I uh, you know we're, we're celebrating. Um, anything you need, like, let us know. I'm definitely going to be off WhatsApp a little bit more than normal. Um, man, the clients were amazing yeah like i
1: yeah it's a you know, positive response across the board yeah people like uh
0: you know people didn't really like bother mm-hmm. like they want us to have a good time mm-hmm. and they wanted us to be able to step away so
1: i appreciate yeah. that because like
0: they know how hard we go for them
1: yeah i was gonna say i think people understand that like yeah it's not just a this isn't a little side coaching no, business no no this is something this is something pretty large yeah like this is a monster yeah and there is some vacation time that But be required for some solid mental health yeah
0: yeah yeah. like i'm surprised we don't take more vacation time i feel like the average person would need to take way more time away yeah you know than what we're doing uh man we had a great fucking
1: time yeah
0: dude it was a sick fucking house had an amazing view cool pool hot tub uh outdoor it was it was so much fun Mm -hmm. so to the clients i appreciate you guys uh thank you for kind of allowing us to have a nice little getaway um, and what's cool about living in Austin, Texas, is I like, do. This is the greatest fucking city in America. Yeah, it's so, like we just did a staycation. We yep. didn't have to travel where we'd have to get on an no, airplane, man. jump anywhere. Like we have, we live in the coolest fucking city in America, and so we just like drove forty five minutes over to yep. Lake Travis. Yep. Um, and we'll just dude, pay, we'll just amazing. keep
1: picking houses. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> explore like the, uh, explore the I city. think every two or three months we need to go do that for a weekend. Let's just start getting real real. Oh man. It was a lot of fun. It was
0: so much fun. Good yeah. conversation. Just oh, yeah. Getting closer. Team bonding. Dude, it was great. Um, that leads into, you know, something that I definitely want to talk to you about. I saw a post on Instagram that sort of references I want to build upon. Um, it's something I thought a lot about over the weekend um, is uh, I, I, know, I know, you know, we talk a lot about coaching and whatnot here. Um, obviously, it's my entire life. Um, but I see a lot of misfits, um, you know, across, I guess, Folks that I follow or, you know, competitors and whatnot. Yeah. uh, Between them and their coach. Like there's a lot of people who are who take this shit really seriously, Mm -hmm. like the physique Mm -hmm. progress, the constant performance improvement, the bodybuilding improvement. And like, you know, their coach isn't living that life as well. And you see them reach a certain point where they're held back by it. Yeah. Because the only way to understand and the only way to push further is by literally understanding and pushing further yourself. Yeah. Um, and it, one a, a massive, massive item that I want you to consider when you choose a coach, um, no matter who it is, does your coach go as hard as you or did they once go as hard as you? For example, Chris Aceto, one of the greatest bodybuilding coaches in the world. Well, no, you see him right now, it looks like a normal guy. But back in the day, that dude was a monster. He was absolutely fucking ridiculous looking
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, elite bodybuilder and an elite powerlifter as well, actually. Um, Like he obviously knows what it takes and he obviously understands uh, the mental headspace. You have to be in to be able to push to that limit. Mm -hmm. But you know, if, if your coach has never achieved a super physiological place within their own body or performance, it is impossible to coach you to that place. Yeah. And I will stand very firm by that comment. And, you know, we have a lot of data that backs this up. For example, look at all of the PhDs who study training and they come out and they tell every elite bodybuilder in the world that they're training wrong. Mm hmm. You're 150 pounds and can't even bench press your body weight.
1: Based on, I'm assuming, studies, studies with control groups that are yeah, not even that
0: are close. Yeah. That aren't close to being bodybuilders. Yeah. You know, they pull people that are like considered advanced. Mm-hmm. Well, what I consider advanced is an elite bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. What they consider advanced is someone with like five years of gym experience. Mm-hmm. Five years of gym experience. That that means nothing to me. Sure. I mean, there's people who've been in the gym five years and so there's men who have been in the gym five years
1: that can't bench 225. I've been in the gym five years and I can't win an overall.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, like we we need to be pulling from people who are like actually living that life. Yeah. It's almost like It's almost like researching the quarterback position and saying that Patrick Mahomes could Mm. be much more optimal if he stayed in the pocket and delivered the ball because he wouldn't take hits out there and stuff Yeah, or as many hits in the pocket when Patrick Mahomes just won a Super Bowl and an MVP. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. No, I I don't think you you know how to tell him how to do that. Mm -hmm. This is something I feel very passionate about because I see these people and... Yeah, I mean, quite frank, all their physiques are pathetic. Mm -hmm. Like, they couldn't even... You know, like they're they're
1: years away from even men's physique. I mean, let alone achieving something in bodybuilding. I'm sure you have this in your notes and stuff, but I bet there's like they're they're taking it from the textbook perspective. (laughs) They are right, whereas like you have to add in that mental perspective. Yeah, which I was almost from what I understand of watching you over time is, is is the most challenging.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah, like you can't study the mental the approach to a training session or Mm -hmm. to a set Mm -hmm. or to preparing for a contest prep. Mm -hmm. Like like you can't study that. There's only one way to understand it and it's through going through it. Like if you don't know what it feels like to pull 500 pounds off the bar and have it hovering over your fucking face, you can't talk to me about training. Mm -hmm. I mean, like straight up, you can't talk. There's nothing I can learn from you. Mm -hmm. And I think it's not like people who can't do this aren't good coaches. There are, you know, there are plenty of good coaches. Sure. But you can only see as far as your vision allows and your vision only allows you to see the things that you have experienced. Yeah. And your vision only allows you to see things that are realistic for
1: you. It's kind of, t- it's kind of like a, uh, I don't think it's called level one, but we'll just call it level one. Yeah. Like a level one NASA certified yeah. coach in, or, or Personal trainer in in a box gym like Gold's. Exactly. You know, they'll teach you how to start. Yeah. But they can't help they're not going to help you in bodybuilding. At a
0: certain point, you outgrow them. Yeah. And, you know, with a lot of coaches, you know, there's a lot of, you know, just very average physiques and average looking people. Mm -hmm. And I say,
1: again, average to, you know, my standard. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. there's to con- understand the context within yeah, this conversation.
0: Yeah, the context within this conversation is and, and also, you know, I want to say the other side. I know, I know a lot of people who've achieved super physiological physiques who can't fucking coach a single person. They couldn't even coach someone how to get started in the gym day one. Mm-hmm. But obviously that's where research comes into play. Yeah. <laughs> look you have to like live this fucking life and if you're not constantly reaching for more reaching for further physique development reaching for further mental development within your training and within how hard you are pushing and with how hard you are going to improve to grab every single the smallest element of improvement that you can possibly grab if every single day if every hour of your day is not centered around that then there's you have a you have a limit you have a limit on how well you can train people. You have a limit on how well you can understand and you have a limit on how hard you can actually push people because you can't push people to a place that you have no understanding of. You can't push people to a place that you've never experienced yourself. And by constantly reaching for more and by constantly having more and further improvement, you are constantly learning as well. The better bodybuilder I get, the uh, the higher my lifts go, the deeper I, uh, of a mental place that I go to to perform my training sessions, the more I learn to be able to give to my clients. I know Matt Jansen can say the same. I know someone like Neil Yoda Hill, like Chris Osito, Andrew Vu, when he competed, I know Mark Tominick, like these people can all say the same thing because you're constantly reaching for more, needing more and craving more. And if you are not living that life, then you cannot understand or relate to that. Practicing what you preach in bodybuilding is a must to be an elite coach. Because you also have to understand what your clients need from you. My last prep, I learned a lot. I was 245 pounds, dialed the fuck in and so fucking hungry. I was just crying at night. If you're only 170 pounds, you can't relate to that. Mm -hmm. like what your body needs is so much different than you know what my body needs yeah if you're a you know just a small dude Mm -hmm. you can't relate to that whatsoever so like now you're working with you know women's physique girl or a classic physique guy or a bodybuilder fuck even a figure girl Mm -hmm. well you can't you don't know what they need from you right now Mm -hmm. because you've never experienced it yourself sure because you know you're Yeah, I mean, you're a small dude. Yeah. You know, practicing what you preach. How can you tell someone to go in the gym and train hard when you don't train hard? Like The next time you take a set to failure is the first time you take a set to failure, but you want your clients to train hard and win shows. Bodybuilding and coaching and constantly improving in those like these aren't part. Time things like you can't turn it on and off. It, it, it's an obsession that has to occur over years and years and years, day in, day out. and never leaves it. Honestly, can't ever leave your mind. People know when you're obsessed or not. And when you get comfortable. For whatever reason, I can't relate to comfort, but when you get comfortable, it shows because you stop servicing your clients as well. You stop making physique improvements. Your performance isn't good. Like, do you even keep a logbook? And I get frustrated seeing this happen because, like, I get frustrated when people aren't being real. Mm -hmm, Like, when people mm -hmm. aren't being a hundred percent. Yeah. Like, just be who you are and what you are, and like, embrace that. But if you're going to be a coach. You need to go all the way. Mm-hmm. You can't just coach and then fuck off in your
1: life. I, I love the as we've done these podcasts, I'd love the the football and yeah. basketball analogies. Yeah. Because the more and more we've talked about it. Yeah. And, and me witnessing it just even one time, well, two times now. Yeah. Um, looking at that, looking at all of these people on stage as athletes mm-hmm. on a football field. Yep. There's so much more that goes into. Be- you can play football. Oh, yeah. You can play football with your buddies. Yeah. You know, you can play a pickup game, of you know, flag football or something like that. But you're not going to step on the NFL field.
0: No, that doesn't mean that you're and and it doesn't mean that you're able to go up in the booth and run a defense for, you know, for four quarters and make constant adjustments. Yeah. Make constant calls based on what the offense is showing you. Yeah. To be able to stop the offense.
1: And, And even the coaches who are obsessed, like you're talking right now, yeah. obsessing over the game 24-7. Always, yep.
0: yeah. Like, you have to live it. it, it like, there is no off-season for coaching, just like there's no off-season for bodybuilding. It's constant improvement phase. You're either improving, or as a bodybuilder, you're prepping. And honestly, until like six weeks out, you should still be improving there anyways. But the comfort... I feel like that's being shown around the industry. Uh, Maybe it's because like shows aren't happening right now. Okay. Man, I just see a lot of people like, damn, you look pathetic. And like, really, you know, your clients are saying that the service is pathetic.
1: I mean, maybe there's some mental fatigue because of the lack of shows. I mean, it could be. I mean, I definitely struggle with that through quarantine. But if you let that get the best of you, then you're yeah. not an elite coach. But like
0: we've kept getting better because yeah. it's like the end goal has always been the same. It's yeah. you know, I don't give a fuck when that show is. Yeah. Like my clients are gonna be ready to show up. Mm-hmm. My clients are gonna be very well prepared to show up. And also, I don't gonna know when my fucking show is, but I'm gonna be ready for it and I'm gonna keep working for it and I'm gonna keep improving into that every single day. I'll know when the fuck it's gonna be. I know that I'm going to compete at USA's in July next
1: year, but before that, I have no fucking idea. And if you you get content, yeah. the guy next to you who didn't yeah. is going to beat you. It's going to beat you. Yeah. And the coach
0: next to you who didn't is going to have more to offer their clients. Yep. You should constantly be learning as a coach and a bodybuilder. And you should constantly be teaching and sharing information with your clients as well, because the evolution never stops things that I think right now in a year, I probably, I might not think them anymore.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now the, the foundation, the base is pretty solidified. It's going to say the same
1: mm-hmm.
0: trainings. Number one, we train harder, we train better and we train more perfect than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And I make a point of that. Mm-hmm. I don't allow anything less to be accepted on my team. I like, Carb cycling, because it prevents the metabolism from going soft. It allows performance in the gym, which is number one. It allows performance in the gym to stay pretty high and improving. Whereas a straight diet, your metabolism is going to adjust, especially the further you diet down. If every single day you're just doing the same numbers. Well, eventually at some point you're going to miss that refeed spike. Like, like when that refeed's needed, you're going to miss it. Mm-hmm. It's bound to happen. I like keeping cardio low because I want you training so fucking hard in the gym. And I want you operating your neat with intent. So that we don't really need to do tons of cardio. I like keeping PED usage. Very simple. What works? What doesn't work? It's very fucking easy. Bodybuilding and coaching is a constant self-experiment of anecdote. What you're doing with yourself and then what you're doing with your clients. And if you've never done something with yourself, then you should never tell a client to do it. For example, if you've never taken insulin, mm-hmm. it's really difficult to tell your client how to take insulin. Yeah. Because you don't really know what to look out for. Mm-hmm. You have no idea what to look out
1: for. Yeah. You don't know if they're going to overthink it. Yeah. And they're, like, I, I have no idea, yeah. obviously. But like... Let's say there's a feeling you get when you first, and they're like, oh shit, what's yeah, happening? There is. <laughs> what's, like, oh shit, what's happening? And they kind of panic and you yeah. go, oh, don't worry, that's normal. Yeah. And yeah. You, you understand it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you like talk them through that. Yeah. And then they could feel more comfort.
0: 100%. I believe with PEDs that I truly believe that a coach should use everything. Mm. Like I went through that phase, I think I talked about it here before. Mm-hmm. About a year and a half, I used every single PED you possibly could. Mm hmm. Because I wanted self-experiment with it. And I wanted to understand how each made you feel, perform, react. I had to know. From that, I have a list of shit that I like. I have a list of shit that I don't like. Back in college, I talked about this. Back in college, I would get um, like nursing books that kind of cover drugs and their functions their mechanism of actions, all of that stuff. And I like obsessively took notes over it. So I studied those notes so much before I went through this period of trying and testing everything. Um, Unfortunately, I like lost those notes along the way. Um, But then after I did that self-experiment, I got another nursing book. I went back through and on all of the drugs that I liked, the response in my body, I retook all of these notes. Then I made a final list of, all right, these are acceptable items to use. These are ones I do not want to use. Mm -hmm. Like now, my pool's pretty small. Mm -hmm. You know, there's maybe ten things, yeah, like if that. But as a coach, how can you instruct someone if you don't know how it responds in yourself? How it instructs in, in yourself?
1: Yeah, you can almost even even go a little lesser. Yep. and use that like, same same style of experimentation into training. Well, that's what that's why it's just not touching. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, like like barbell versus dumbbell. That shit. Yeah. And
0: at this point in my career, I've I've experienced all of them. i you know drop sets, intensifiers constantly. You know, compound focused training, uh, upper body, lower body days, bro splits, push pull legs, uh, high volume. Um, all everything at this point I've done. That's why I like low volume, high intensity. Number one, it's the hardest. It recruits the most motor threshold units. It allows you to put all of your focus into one set, one set only. I I don't do Intensifiers. I don't do you know, drop sets or clusters. Or I don't do anything
1: like that. Let's talk about this, though, because you yeah. used to do those. I used to do those. You used to do this. But yeah. when you found new information or yeah. you understood new information, either from a study you read. Yeah. Or a book you read or yeah. a self experiment. Yeah. You pivoted. Yeah. And started doing what you're doing now. So I started going away
0: from a little bit. And then Matt Jansen and I talked about it. Mm-hmm. And Matt was like, so, you know, here's my theory. And then I said, here's my theory. And then we went back and forth. And it was like, oh, wait, shit, yeah, man, we should definitely be just doing straight sets here. Mm-hmm. And like, he and I both do that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Matt Jansen influenced that because mm-hmm. um, a straight set you can dial the fuck in. Mm-hmm. There is one task you have, and that weight that you're looking at right now—that's the task that you have, and your. Job is to move that weight for as many reps as you possibly can until the target muscle stops contracting against the load. Not when you feel like you're done. Not because the last rep was hard. When you can no longer contract against that load anymore. That's when the set's done. The set's done. You grab your intra shake or you grab your water. You breathe. You catch your breath walk around and you start getting dialed in for the next set. I don't take short rest periods. My rest periods are five, six minutes in the gym between every single set, because the only fucking thing I care about is when I'm getting in that fucking set, I need to force adaptation. And how do I force adaptation? I need to be able to lift the heaviest load for the most amount of reps I can possibly lift that load for until the muscle stops contracting against that fucking load. And at that point, that is where adaptation is forced. There is no option That's not optional for the body to change or adapt. The body only reads, holy shit, I was not able to perform what was asked of me to perform, so now I have to change, I have to adapt. This is physiology. This is the core component of physiology that all bodybuilders need to understand. Leaving reps in reserve is leaving stimulus in the fucking tank. And when you're sitting on stage, getting your fucking ass kicked by someone who took every set to failure, you got no one to blame, but your goddamn self. And if you'd show someone who forced you to fucking leave reps in the tank, every set, you can blame them too. But again, there's enough information out there and there's so much anecdote of 50 fucking years of, the most elite bodybuilders in the world train you one way that it's your fucking fault. Because I promise you the only people who win shows, even reps in the reserve are incredibly genetically gifted. Look at Sean Roden, Phil Heath, Dexter Jackson. Those guys used to fucking take sets of failure. Now they don't fucking take it there anymore. They're old. They're old and they're at risk for fucking injury. And they're at the top of the fucking sport. You you're not there. So if you're not taking every single set to a point where your body can no longer perform the movement and then recovering as optimally as you possibly can, you are cheating yourself. You're not a bodybuilder. You're just training without intent for winning a show. To me, that's unacceptable. Everyone has their thoughts and opinions. That's okay. Wrong arena. Wrong opinions are welcome here, too. But don't we compete to win? We don't compete like find the easy way. Can you imagine? You imagine what would have happened in the Super Bowl if. Patrick Mahomes just sandbagged the entire week (laughs) of of practice. Guess what would have happened? Guess who would not have won the Super Bowl? Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs would not have won the Super Bowl. You don't get to the fucking top of a sport by finding the easy way out. So stop fucking taking that set with that, that, that route with your training. Like Scott said, I've done every type of training that there is to get done. One has elicited and myself and my clients over almost eight years. We're coming up on eight years. One has elicited such vastly improved results from all the other ones that you just can't deny it. The issue is most people don't have the mentality to take it there. And a lot of people's mentality is bounced is is derived from their coach. Remember a soft coach has soft clients. Mm -hmm. Your coach is fucking soft and doesn't live that life. And that's why you're not making progress. If you hire a real coach, it doesn't have to be me DM me. And I can send you to many real coaches you're going to see progress.
1: I mean, shit, team of has is full of them. Jesus fucking Christ, dude. <laughs> I mean,
0: like, I, I think that's why it's frustrating seeing some of the people in the situations they're in when it's like, yeah, like the biggest team in the industry has is like telling you the right way to do things. Yeah. Like we have more results than anyone. Mm hmm. And like you're choosing to do things the wrong way.
1: And, and, and the team that's doing it the right way is giving the most free information it's, I've ever seen. We have
0: way more free information than yeah. anybody else. Yeah. But like it's not just me, you know, Matt Jansen does that. Oh, yeah, totally. Neil Yoda Hill does the that. The top does it. Yeah, everyone at the top is doing that. Yeah. The only way you can become well versed in physiology was physiology is the most important scientific variable in bodybuilding. Not nutrition, not communication, not psychology, understanding physiology and body building. Again, this is not body dieting. This is not body cardioing. This is not body PEDing. This is bodybuilding. So the entire purpose of this is building a super physiological physique. And in the word super physiological, it's super physiological for a reason. You can read every book. You can read every study. You can watch every YouTube. You can listen to everything I say. The only way to learn true physiology is by fucking practicing it. Because once you start practicing it, you're going to realize, oh, fuck, dude, what the book told me was wrong. Yikes. That's not how performance works. That's not how recovery works. That's not the training that gets the best
1: results. And I hope your coach is the one... Telling you all of that, yeah, and not pulling their information from a YouTube video—that'd
0: uh, be nice. <laughs> We'd have a lot better coaches in the industry if we if we didn't have Google and YouTube, and you can only learn from
1: like real life items. Yeah. Wow, be harder to find the information, exactly. but it would weed out the yeah people who don't weed out ninety
0: percent of the fucking stupid ass coaches there are in this industry. <laughs> It's not even like an issue of stupidity. It's an issue of like me. I just don't care.
1: That, like, that's what I was going to say is like, there's a ton of coaches. And yeah. a, I've seen a lot of people who have an incredible amount of potential. Oh, absolutely. Oh my God. But yeah. it, it comes down to discipline and application. Exactly. And I've never seen, it, it's hard to find the people who, that's how it weeds people out. Yeah. Discipline and application. Oh, absolutely. Of, of practice, of experimentation, yeah. all of it.
0: Well, as a coach, you should be somebody that your athletes
1: look up to. Yeah.
0: Like your athletes should look up to you. Like, dude, like what he's doing with business is dope. Yeah. What he's doing with bodybuilding is dope. What he preaches is dope. Mm-hmm. What he practices is dope. Like that's what you want. If you don't feel that with your coach, there's a huge disconnect, mm-hmm. including if I'm your coach. If you don't look up to me and mm-hmm. I'm your coach, there's a disconnect. And like, that's something sure. you need to fix. because yeah. only you can fix that. But you can't truly understand anything without practicing client, coach, bystander. It doesn't matter if you're not putting the actual work in the hypothetical battlefield, then you are not learning anything. And so many people just want to ignore the actual work. That it takes. They want to ignore the way that the body actually functions and responds from a cellular level all the way up to a musculoskeletal level. Mm -hmm. They just want to ignore it. People want to ignore the fact that eating more wholesome foods is better for your body. Mm -hmm. People want to ignore the fact that eating extremely artificial foods is worse for your digestion. Even if you feel like you don't have digestive issues, your body's not happy. People want to ignore the fact that two hours of cardio a day is not the answer. That taking people under a thousand calories isn't
1: the answer. That one hour less of sleep.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, I'd rather have sleep than cardio. Yeah. Sleep's way more important. And if you don't have enough sleep, cardio ain't going to burn that fat anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Your body's hyper-adaptive, and this is why understanding physiology is so important. So Scott's point there is really good. If you're sacrificing an hour of sleep for an hour of cardio, you're getting worse. You're not getting better. Number one, you're putting yourself in an extremely catabolic environment. That doesn't mean that you're not going to take, you, that you're not going to have to go up to an hour of cardio. You might, but two hours? When I see people doing two hours of cardio, it screams that their coach has no fucking idea how to manipulate a metabolism, how to manipulate body stress responses, how to manipulate the recovery component of a body
1: or how to manipulate training output. That's something key that I've learned around you and all the team Haley coaches is that that one hour less of sleep or that one hour more of cardio that stress, that cortisol response on the Huge. body although you might not feel it yeah it's still there it's still there and that's going to impact that point one percent Yep, that's going to separate you on stage
0: and you can look at cortisol and stable cortisol. cortisol is catabolic and burning body fats catabolic because we're breaking down triglycerides and and forcing fatty acids into the bloodstream no, no 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 that's that's not how that's how it works in your you know good world theory that's not how it works in practical application your body needs to survive and thrive When it's too stressed, it's worried that it's not going to be able to survive and thrive. As a bodybuilder, you've likely achieved more muscle mass than what most people have. And your body likely carries around more muscle than it really would like to. So fat gets spared. For protein, for stored amino acids, stored amino acids, that is muscle tissue. If you're going through preps and you're losing muscle, it's because... You are not controlling the stress response. There's no control of the the stress response. In a healthy and a recovered body, you will be burning and moving body fat. Stored body fat. You will be preserving muscle tissue and stored amino acids, which is muscle tissue. Your nitrogen will not drop. When nitrogen drops, it allows body to pull way more amino acids. As your stress response gets higher, body's natural response is nitrogen to drop lower. Again, nitrogen drops lower. You lose muscle. It's all very simple physiology. You're doing two hours of cardio a day. Can't relate. My clients don't do that. But it isn't just a coach. It's not just about having a coach who trains as hard as you. Who wants to learn as hard as you. Who has the anecdote of PEDs to be able to guide you. It's about elite communication. People tell me they don't get responses for like a day. What? Oh, How? Or people tell me they get like one line responses. What? How? Or people say that their coach never teaches. What? How? Elite communication. An educated client is an empowered client. Do you want your client to become educated by you? Or do you want your client to become educated by Google?
1: I have a question. Yeah. Do you think some coaches reserve information? Yeah, because you already know what I'm say, oh, absolutely," because they're afraid that if they give too much information, that that yeah. person going to want to become a coach and then out beat, then beat and beat them.
0: Well, they, they think that they're not going to rely on them. And the, uh, that, that client doesn't need
1: them anymore. So they're just going to be like, okay, we're good. i yeah. I got what I need. But through extreme
0: anecdote, I can promise you the opposite holds true. Like the more yeah. I teach my clients, the higher the retention goes. Yeah. Like I've talked about the retention on here before. It's ridiculous. I, if you're with me three years, I teach you for three years. Yeah. Like that never stops.
1: I mean, as a coach, I would think, I mean, personally, even myself, I would want to teach you and I'm the hope would be, Maybe less so if you're a competitor, um, yeah. but as like a general health client? I wouldn't expect you to be with me for your whole life. Yeah. The yeah. thought would be I can educate you enough so you can go do it by yourself.
0: I can educate you and empower you enough yeah. so I'd be able to do it by yourself. 100%.
1: That's impact in my opinion.
0: That is true impact. Communication yeah. should always be very, very, very good. You got something you need to talk to your coach about. They should be available for you to talk. You should be able to message them, like schedule a phone call or you know, send a voice memo or... Get a voice memo, you know, any of those things. But the biggest component here is your coaching is to understand your mindset. If you're someone who you're all in and you want to go all in and you want to push harder and you want to see more and you want to be better and you want to be more. Your coach has to be that exact same way. That's why Matt Jansen and I thrive so well together. That's why we work so well together. He wants to be Mr. USA. I want to be Mr. USA. He wants to be a top 10 on the IFBB Pro Stage Bodybuilder. I want to be top 10 on the IFBB Pro Stage Bodybuilder. Mindsets must align. Because if you're not able to speak the same fucking language, you can't relate. Why are the Patriots so fucking good in football? Because Bill Belichick has a mindset of a champion. has a mindset of hard-nosed domination. Hit the man in front of you and keep hitting him out scheme them, but always play harder and faster and stronger and better than them. So what does that team do? They do exactly that. As soon as average becomes acceptable in a person's mind for themselves, it becomes an infectious disease that. Inhibits everyone around them. Mm-hmm. From being higher, better, more achieving. As soon as you accept average, you're allowing everyone around you to accept average and you are putting. You you are instilling average into your clients. Mm-hmm. You can't relate to anything but average. Or good enough. Uh, I ain't got 150 clients. I'm good enough. Uh, you know what? Like I've. I had like three clients win shows last year. I'm good enough. Mm -hmm. As soon as you feel like you're good enough, all of your clients feel like they're good enough. I want you to feel fucking uncomfortable. I want you to feel threatened, not just by me, by your teammates, because we're all going so fucking hard and reaching for so
1: much more. I mean, if you've chosen the life of a leader yeah. as a coach in the bodybuilding community, yeah. you've chosen the life of a leader. You've chosen the life of a leader, but don't fucking let it's, the life of a leader
0: go to the wayside because you start chasing profits over leadership and impact. Yeah. There's so many good coaches who are experiencing that right now. Yeah. I man, you chose the good times. It's your,
1: but it's your obligation. And if, it you're, and if you're not fulfilling your obligation, yeah. you're cheating your clients. You're, and
0: then your clients leave you yep. for someone who's about that fucking life. Yeah. You have to be able to relate to the mindset. The mindset has to be on the same page. If you want to be an overall fucking champion, your coach better be in the same fucking realm. You want to be on the fucking IBB Pro stage, coach better be in the same fucking realm. You want to dominate, not just win, your coach better be in the same fucking realm. You want to take sets of fucking failure and learn how far your body can actually be pushed and how far your mind can actually go, your coach has to be in the exact same wavelength. You want to win championships, your coach has to be obsessed over that shit too. It is an obsession. It can never stop. It can never turn off. It can never go away. It doesn't go away. It's an it's, it's, obsession. Is an infectious disease, just like fucking average is. Being a champion doesn't just happen because one day you decided to be a champion. It happens because you've had that mentality. You've attacked that goal every single day for years, and you never let up. Winning a class isn't good enough. Reaching your goal weight's not good enough. Hitting a 400-pound bench press isn't good enough. There has to be more. Winning one Super Bowl is not good enough. Winning the MVP is not good enough. There has to be more. I made an Instagram caption about this. What, two days ago? Mm -hmm. That was a dope fucking caption. Yeah. Every single step that you take Opens up more steps and leads to more steps. The vision constantly develops. There's an insatiable desire to be fucking elite. There is this hunger that you have to fucking feel that nothing can quench. No IFBB pro cards, no overall championships, no Olympias. Nothing can quench it because there's always something more that you need Stop surrounding yourselves with average. There's way too many talented athletes out there. Just average people. You want coach recommendations? Hit me up in my DMs. I'll send you people who will fucking take you to that place. I'm pretty fucking intense. Mm. I'm definitely not for everyone. Through <laughs> that. But if you want someone slightly watered down or if you want someone who's like on a similar wavelength, that you know, maybe he's more budget friendly. Dude, hit me up. I'll gladly help you out.
1: your network is large. My network's pretty large. It's yeah. good. It's cool. Yeah. My network, you know, I've I've also been able to realize who the duds are. Who the clouds so your are. Your network is large in the sense that you have, you probably have access or an answer to someone who does need a budget friendly cl- yeah, coach that, that will still have that same mentality. I 100% right? do. Yeah. I 100% do. Make sure you're
0: on the same wavelength. You can't have Lamborghini goals with a Toyota coach. It ain't going to happen. So put you first, put your needs and your wants first. But understand that what you're surrounding yourself with is what you are becoming. I want you to be uncomfortable as fuck because when you're extremely uncomfortable, you change. Think about that and make sure that everything in your life is aligned with the direction you want
1: to go episode 44. I'll see you next time.